Welcome to the show. I appreciate you tuning in. You're listening to Vote Your Conscience with Kevin Stola. I'd appreciate it if you could check us out on Instagram at underscore vote underscore your underscore conscience underscore. And we also have a personal Twitter and a personal Instagram as well. And you can uh, find those in the show notes. I'd also appreciate it if you leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform. We are on all platforms now, so tune in and then uh, let us know your opinion on it. On the last two episodes, we went over uh, the tax system a little bit and my opinion on what I think that our federal tax system should be replaced with, which would be a revenue tax, which I would actually prefer no federal income tax, um, but If you want to hear my opinions about all that, the last two episodes, episode 19 and episode 20 of Vote Your Conscience, were about that topic. So go take a listen to those if you're interested in um, our federal tax system. On this episode, I want to go over a bunch of problems that seem like they're unrelated, but I believe that they're all actually related and it goes back to the same problem that, you know, the entire point of this podcast, Vote Your Conscience, is about and that. I hope to help, you know, find a solution or at least be a small portion of that solution, which, of course, goes back to uh, electing leaders that actually have good morals and um, obviously voting your conscience, which would mean that you would find a person and pick them not based on who's presented to you, but actually vetting different candidates and looking into them. And then just deciding that's the one that you really like, that's the one that you think would do the best job or, you know, be the best person for the job. And then just sticking to your own morals, you know, sticking to your own judgment and voting for that person, no matter the outcome. I mean, that's really what, you know, being principled is. So if you have your own uh, viewpoints and your own beliefs You know, just because there's an easy option or you can go, oh, well, it's not the best option, but I'll still take that option anyway, because I think it's better than the other option. And this goes even to the extent if you think that there's two bad options, people are still taking one of those two bad options. I don't think that we should ever have a bad option for a president. That seems completely absurd in a country of you know, 330 million people, 250 million adults. There's got to be a few decent adults out there. And the job of the presidency, obviously, is a very difficult one. And even at lower levels of government, it's not like it's an easy job, you know, to be a governor or to be a senator or even a state legislature, um, state legislator, or even, you know, being the chairman of a city hall. I mean, when I was at the city hall in uh, my local community here, you know, people are uh, giving shit to the chairman constantly, and he's having to, you know, manage this whole group of people who, you know, this was like an environmental protest against basically a new development of uh, apartments or condos that someone wanted to create. But you know, this guy's having to deal with all that. And this is just in a local city level. This is a small city, you know, of, uh, I think it's 75,000 people. And, uh, you know, that, that amount of stuff that he had to put up with just for this one day, I mean, this is one board meeting and he has, you know, very little power. He has some power in this small community, but 
you know, on the national level, on the state level, he has basically no power. So, you know, even for that little bit of power, you have to put up with that much. So I don't think that any of these jobs are easy and there's not just, oh, this is going to be the best person and they're going to, you know, run the country amazingly and everything's going to go perfect because we live in, you know, a society, there's so many people, you know, in our, in our country and then in our world, there's, you know, close to 8 billion now, or I don't know if we crossed that line or not yet, but, uh, you know, of course we can't manage everything that happens all the time. That's impossible. But, you know, going back to the main point of this episode, which will be, there's all these dispersed problems and there seems to be just like an infinite number of problems. There's just keeps piling up more and more problems all the time and almost none of them seem to get solved and it just doesn't make any sense why none of them would be getting solved when our government officials on both sides you know all sides every party they constantly are talking about solutions to these problems and solving them and pushing towards you know solving uh all these different issues so you know issues like gun violence and homelessness and inflation and just you know any little problem that's going on i mean there there or huge problems even you know like climate change or environmental you know catastrophe um our politicians are constantly talking about all of these issues all the time and how to solve them and putting forth all sorts of ideas but they don't really get around to doing very much about it um and my main thing that I believe is that they really just don't care. Um, and I guess they don't, it's not that they don't care. They just don't care about us. So they always make the decisions that are good for them and they really don't care what happens to us. And by us, I mean, you know, the majority of people who aren't high up in government and also, you know, most of those people aren't going to care about the other people that even are high up in government. I mean, they'll sacrifice those people, uh, you know, just as quick, just to make sure they get what they want. And I don't know that, you know, all the people that are up in these high positions that make, you know, very immoral decisions, um, you know, things like for big corporations to be mining in Africa, or having cheap products made in China, instead of, having, you know, safe working conditions, things here, you know, that we have just because they can pay someone a dollar a day or $2 a day, you know, or even $10 a day in some other countries comparatively to what they pay here doesn't mean that that's the morally correct option. Of course, there's always going to be someone who's willing to do that. But what I would say to that is we shouldn't be supporting these corporations. So, you know, that is for corporations, and I don't know that the people are psychopaths that end up there. They really don't seem to care, though. I mean, you know, the CEOs of a lot of these companies and then different HR people and PR people, you know, they're always talking about how much they try to do. They're trying to donate, you know, to these causes or whatever, and they try to make good working conditions. But then when you look into actually what's going on, you know, on the ground in these different countries, there's just horrible working conditions. And there's no way that these people up at the top don't know about that. So I know that they just don't care because they want what they want. And what they want is either power or money or whatever it is. And they're willing to, you know, sacrifice 
people's health and safety and lives to get whatever they want. So I think that's the main problem is that the people who are like that get to the top. And I do believe that if you're going to make it to the top of anything, you need to be the type of person that will be able to make difficult decisions. But it doesn't mean that you have to make horribly immoral decisions. Will people in high places, uh, you know, make horrible mistakes? Yeah, of course. But when it's over and over and over again, and the same people who claim they're either making mistakes or, you know, the solution is unsolvable, continuously just benefit from it, you know, constantly benefiting from all of these issues uh, that don't get resolved. You can't keep thinking, oh, they're just making a mistake. And then the next guy who comes in, so now talking about elected officials, you know, talking about all the problems and the solutions that they claim to have, you know, they come in and all these problems don't get fixed. So, you know, the homeless problem, it's been ongoing and it's literally getting larger. So I don't know how many homeless people there are. The last statistic that I heard was 500,000 homeless people. And that was like a few years ago. So uh, I've only heard that it's been getting worse. So it might be more than that. But uh, I don't think that this is that difficult of an issue to solve. And, there, you know, I have an issue with the government just giving people money. But there's got to be a way to get money to these people that is better than what we're doing right now. So, you know, a lot of these government programs trying to get homeless people off the streets, I mean, they're literally just trying to get them into all these different programs that they have um, for different housing and stuff, but there's all these requirements. What's the point of there being the requirements? We're trying to get the money to them anyway. And, you know, I understand a lot of the homeless people have either mental health addictions or... I mean, mental health issues or, you know, drug addictions, but they can still be housed. And why can't we have the money to hire, you know, security for those areas as well? So their own police departments for these areas. And you still just, you know, there's all these people who don't want to go in these programs because you're not allowed to use drugs, uh, which obviously drugs are illegal anyway. But you know, that being a qualifying factor for having drug tests and stuff like that. And if you get caught, you know, getting kicked out of these programs, well, where do you go? You go right back onto the street or we're going to have to jail them. So, I mean, I, like I've talked about in previous episodes, I'm for decriminalizing all drugs or I'm really for even making them completely legal. Um, and, you know, that's probably a different discussion for a different day about how that could be set up. Because I think it would be something more like the LCBOs in uh, Canada, where any adult type of uh, activities should be separated. You know, I don't, I don't think they should sell cigarettes and beer at 7-Eleven. It should be a separate thing so that, you know, you don't grow up with a pack of gum and then cigarettes being, you know, a similar thing right there at every corner. Um, obviously, many people would push back against that, especially all of these... Uh, you know, different uh, party stores and 7-Elevens and everything that sells alcohol and cigarettes. But even if we were going to do it with drugs, then we would have to do something like that, where it's not, you're not always interacting with it, at least. So it's not just, it's not just completely accessible, but it is there. And 
it would be able to be more safely done than all of the tainted drugs that we have. Um, that point aside, you know, housing these homeless people, if you're just looking at it from a monetary perspective, I mean, we, we've been talking about, you know, something that angers me is getting money for college students or people who have completed college or dropped out of college that have student loans. So this program actually didn't go through because a bunch of judges blocked it, which, um, you know, is Joe Biden's plan. Basically, I think he made an executive order and they were going to try to give $10,000 to $20,000 per college graduate, uh, which, you know, they were pushing for 50000 even, or just completely eliminating all of the uh, student loans, student loan debt, at least federally. And here's my issue with that. When I looked into, you know, how much money they were talking about, they were talking about $500 billion. Okay, so these are people who at least got into a college or started college. Some of them graduated from college even, so they literally have a degree. And there's 500,000 homeless people on the street. So, you know, some might argue there's money for all of them. Well, either way, money isn't infinite because money is just a you know, byproduct of production. There's, if you just keep making more money, then everything, the val the price of everything goes up because the value stays the same. There's still only more, you know, there's still only so much labor that is out there anyway. If you just keep making more money, the price of things will just go up. It all equals out anyway. Um, but even if there was enough money for all of them, why would you pick, you know, if we are still going to pick one, though, because the government's still going to be fighting for one or, you know, the government on this side and the government on this side is going to be fighting for different issues that they want money for. Why would you pick people who took out student loans? Sure, maybe they were coerced into them by, you know, a system that tries to promote college as the only option for having a good life. And I agree that that is a huge issue, too. You know, I didn't go to college. I didn't want to go to college. And that was a decision I had to make even when I was at a young age. So I don't think that, you know, it's it's zero on the young person, the 18-year-old or the 17-year-old uh, that took out these student loans. But if you were going to go and you wanted to try to help society the most and you had $500 billion to do it, Giving it to the people who have the best chance in life, meaning people who went to college, seems completely ridiculous when there's 500,000 homeless people that not only affects them and their life being poor, but all sorts of millions and millions of other people that interact with these people on a daily basis. If there's 500,000 homeless people, then how many millions of people interact with this, see this, deal with this? even put out their own resources to try to help people in their cities and towns too, all the time, spending all this effort and time and also dealing with, you know, extra crime that comes along with more homeless people. Um, but let's just look at some numbers. So $500 billion is a crazy amount of money. And that's why I would believe that there's no way we should just give it to you know, what people might call one of the most privileged classes would be people who 
went to college. So by privilege, I mean, it's not really a privilege because if you went to college, you did have to work at it. So, you know, it's something that you earned to be able to get into a college first off. But then if you completed it, then of course you earned that as well. But you're likely to make a much higher salary than another person who didn't go to college at all. So you should be able to pay off these student loans. The homeless person in the street, how are they going to get out of that situation? I mean, what resources do they have that they can get out of that? So if we just look at it from a resource perspective here, you know, $500 billion, um, if there is 500,000 homeless people, $5 billion would be $10,000 per homeless person. That's for 5 billion, not 500 billion. $50 billion would be $100,000 per homeless person, okay? And $500 billion is $1 million per homeless person. So for the price of paying off debt that people took out, themselves of their own volition. I understand that they're maybe under some coercion and they're young, so you know they're not making the best decisions. And I have talked about that system and how it's broken a little bit in past episodes, and I'll definitely talk about it more in the future. But rather than taking all that money, I mean, how how much you know good can we do for the homeless population and also all the people that live in all these cities that have homeless people everywhere. So, you know, a million dollars per homeless person. I mean, this could give each homeless person $100,000 for 10 years straight. Every single homeless person. Um, And what I think should be done is that. I think that if we were going to help a homeless person, we shouldn't send out a social worker to go and tell them, hey, we have a program that you can get into. You know, we just want this program. We're going to we're going to get you into this program and then you can, you know, uh, go through all the steps that we want you to. And hopefully you'll get your life together because most of these homeless people don't give a shit about getting their life together because that's how they're there. Or they have such an issue with having their lives together because of either drug addiction or mental illness that they don't even understand how to go through all of these processes to deal with the government like that. And also, I believe that it should be their money anyway, not the government's, to build all sorts of little organizations all over the country to try and help you know the homeless population. I think that if we were going to help them um, giving the money directly to that person. And sure, you know, we can argue over what they could use the money for if it's vouchers or if it's just literal cash. Um, I think maybe it should be a combination of both because how are they going to learn to live in the world if they're given vouchers? They need to learn how to live with real dollars. They need to learn how to live with actual money. This is what they're going to have to do. So they're going to have to have an income at some point in time. So And some of these people may choose, oh, well, I'm just getting paid anyway to be on the street. But why would they live on the street if you were paying them $100,000 a year? So here's one of the issues that a lot of people might, you know, see is, oh, well, 
why wouldn't I choose to go be homeless and then I can get $100,000 per year? You know, well, that doesn't make sense because we're going to have to find the people on the street first. So how are you going to, you know, are you going to go and get out of your house and become homeless on purpose now? Because you could get $100,000 per year. So, you know, it doesn't really make sense because the people who, um, you know, have a decent job, even making, you know, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a year, they're not thinking, well, how can I lose my house and my family so I can make $100,000 per year? So there might be some scammers that are trying to do this, but if you literally find people on the street that are homeless and look into their history, you can figure out who's been homeless for a while, who's been, you know, who's trying to scam you. Did they just have a house a month ago? You know, what's been happening in their life? So it's not that hard to vet some of these people to figure out if they're a homeless person or if they're someone who's trying to scam you. Because if you already have a home, you know, like I wouldn't qualify for this this money because I already have a home. So I would have to literally lose my home, you know, purposefully. And like myself personally, I have a business. So I'd have to lose my business. I'd have to lose my home. I would lose most, you know, most likely my partner is going to leave me. So, um, you know, unless she's in on the scam, but she wants to be homeless for a period of time so that we can make money without working. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that would have to go into this. My entire point too is the amounts of money that our government has and it pushes into these types of programs, it doesn't get to these people. They build up organizations around helping the people and then it's it's all sucked in by the employees of these um, you know, departments that are there to help solve the problem. So, you know, $5 billion being $10,000 per homeless person. I mean, how much would $10,000 help a homeless person if you just handed it to them? You know, and a lot of people, I've argued with some people about this already. And it's like, well, they'll just go use drugs, you know, with it. They're just going to go and, you know, spend it frivolously. Some of them, sure, of course they will. But, you know, the stories that I always hear people pointing out are these single mothers, you know, that they just got in a really bad situation. All these people that had, a you know, bad circumstance that happened to them. So wouldn't they love to get out of that circumstance? Here would be an option. You know, you give them $10,000 per year, $5 billion only. That's that's nothing. That's a tiny, tiny amount of money for $10,000 per person. Why not make it $10 billion? You can give them all $20,000 a year with the goal of them getting a job, getting back on their feet, figuring out what's going on. Are they disabled and they just actually need help? Then maybe they do continue to get that money. But, you know, just leaving them on the street and then trying to get them into government programs all the time, you know, how helpful is that? Look at the problem that's going on already. So, you know, and that's only for $10 billion. You could give $20,000 per homeless person. For $50 billion, you can give $100,000 per homeless person. I mean, giving them $100,000, you know, Per year, a lot of those people are going to choose to have a different life. A lot of them 
you know, someone who's in that situation, they don't see a way out. There's no way out. They could go try to get a job. It's hard to get a job. They can go try and get an apartment. You got to get an apartment to get a job at a lot of places. How are they going to get the money to get the apartment? How are they going to work on getting over a mental illness? How are they going to work on getting over a drug addiction when they can't even get an apartment to get a job? So literally giving them money, not vouchers, not, you know, I mean, and we can also discuss if there's vouchers for housing and different stuff like that. But when you start getting vouchers, then people can still come up with crafty plans to sell different stuff like that. I mean, you give them a voucher for housing, then they buy a house with it. Now they're renting rooms out so that they can buy drugs anyway. So we want these people to learn how to take care of themselves. That's what we want in everybody in society. That's the entire reason we go to school. It's supposed to be, at least, should be so that you can be a productive member of society for your own good, your family, and all of the whole community. So, you know, that problem, I think, could be taken care of by changing the education system so that as much, you know, next generations aren't brought up with the same situation, but solving the situation by trusting individual people to actually make decent decisions when they're giving given an opportunity. So just like that problem that doesn't get solved, you know, I thought I was going to go into a lot of other problems, but I'm running out of time a little bit here. So this problem is, you know, a similar problem to like I just pointed out, you know, the education system leads to something like this. You know, we could have less homeless people if our education system was better. We could have, you know, less homeless people if we didn't have as much corruption. So that's what I think this main issue is, is the people at the top not caring and all these problems are benefiting them. So the homeless problem, you know, and then you know, we have like inner city economic problems where there's just whole neighborhoods and whole blocks and areas of cities that are just like economically desolate. And of course, that leads to more crime and violence, all sorts of stuff like that, which never gets solved and people almost never talk about it. And that's one of the other issues, you know, with gun violence school shootings, these public mass shootings, um, gang violence, you know, everything like that. I think that most of these problems, they're, they're all being pushed down from the top because people see the corruption in our leaders. When you see the corruption in our leaders, then you think that might be the way to get there. If we saw, you know, moral purity or you know, strong leadership where people, you know, stood to their beliefs and they lived what they preached, more people would want to be like that because they can see the benefit and they see how, you know, people are helping. So when you see the fallibility of all the leaders, and it's not even just fallibility, I mean, it's like rampant corruption. It's just like completely ridiculous uh, that these people are in power somehow at the top of the biggest corporations and at the top of our government, literally the top of our government, Joe Biden and Donald Trump 
literally both of them are corrupt. If you just watch any show, and maybe if it's a Democratic-leaning show or it's a Republican-leaning show, they'll say that one or the other isn't even corrupt at all. But it's completely absurd. Of course, they're not the most highly moral people. There's, there's no way. Look at all of the charges against them, all of the different issues that people have with them. They're not for nothing, you know. So that's my main point is that literally the two choices that we had in the last election are completely absurd. There's got to be millions of people that are better than these people. So that's what I want to see change. And I don't think it'll change until individuals change their mind. So, you know, trusting that individuals can actually change their mind and go, we're going to stick to our morals no matter what. So if I believe these two people are horrible, I am not going to vote for them because I think that one is worse than the other. So I don't know who's worse between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I believe that Donald Trump is better overall for what I want to do. And maybe Joe Biden's better for what someone else wants to do, possibly. Um, but they're both horrible, in my opinion. And they're both leading to more control of the government over the individual. So both of their governments, while they were in power, have grown larger and larger. Um, none of these organizations have been dissolved, and now our government's getting smaller and it's cheaper to operate. It's getting more expensive. Under Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Obama, Bush, it doesn't matter. Just keep going back. So, I mean, the last president that didn't have a deficit was Bill Clinton, and that didn't last long at all. It lasted like a year or maybe two. So, um, and obviously that's not the only issue with either morality or if they're actually benefiting the country or not, isn't just whether the debt is going up or down. Um, but my main point is still, you know, all of these issues is coming directly from the top of what people see, you know, all of this despair that people are experiencing it literally comes directly from the top because there's all this corruption and everyone knows it's corrupt. It's not like it's something, you know, if you bring this up and you go, hey, politicians are corrupt. Hey, you know, the top of these corporations are corrupt. Um, you might get a person here and there that argues with you or disagrees. But if you keep pushing, there's no way that they won't agree that there is some corruption in the highest parts of our government and in the largest corporations. This kind of corruption at the top, in my opinion, breeds mistrust and despair. So in the people who are underneath them, where these policies are created by different corporations, different government organizations, and we have to live under them, but then we see people that, you know, they're not living by their own rules that they make. So why would we think that that makes sense? So when there's mistrust in, you know, what these people, the powerful people who are supposed to be our leaders, they're not just supposed to be these powerful people that run the world. They're supposed to be our leaders in America. That's what our country's about is where we are hiring people, you know, 
to, to serve us. They're supposed to be public servants. And I even believe, so I do believe that corporations are mainly created for profit, but we can help to control where that profit of theirs comes from. So you can choose to drive an electric vehicle instead of, um, you know, a gas powered vehicle. Now, of course, people would say, well, this car is more expensive. Yeah, I understand the market's, you know, a hard thing to deal with. So we can only move as fast as our technology moves forward just because you want something. I mean, we would love to have a, you know, zero uh, emissions, you know, power production. Uh, it doesn't exist, though. So we don't have it, um, you know, and people can say different things are zero emission, but not the technology that we create to get those, uh, you know, items, whether it's wind power, solar power, geothermal, you know, wave power, it doesn't matter. We have to use like all sorts of different materials that we have to mine. We have to access all these. We have to create them, manufacture them. They all create emissions, pollution. It's just how much energy do you get for those emissions and pollution? And can our earth handle this amount of emissions and pollution? So there's a lot of things to take into account on that. But that's just another one of the problems that our politicians claim they can solve, you know, stuff like climate change and pollution. They're not even close to solving these things. There's, they have no solutions. They just promote more control of the government. If you give us more money, if we can take more taxes, if we can, you know, make a carbon tax, then we'll be able to get you out of this situation. They have no idea what's going to happen with the planet. Even the scientists agree that they don't know. There's a giant range of options, of possibilities, of different temperatures, of all sorts of different amounts of carbon going into the air. If you literally look into what like the International Climate Panel says, they, they don't know what's going to happen. They can't. These are predictions. They make up models. That's what they do. Their science isn't perfect. So... Is there an issue? Sure, of course. But is our government going to solve it? No, there's no way. They just want more power. And when you give them more power, this is why I want the federal government to have as little power as possible, is because when you see that corruption, why would you give them more power? Everyone knows that it's corrupt in our government. So why would we want them to have more power? We want individuals to have more power. Because when one bad individual has more power, they can't affect the whole system, you know, it, because the system doesn't have as much power over the individual. So one good individual can benefit the system more than one bad, you know, uh, person because other people will know what they're trying to do. When there's a bunch of good people putting out uh, positive energy, positive economics, you know, and positive work ethic mindsets. Um, and trying to help out in our society, then we can see that that will be beneficial. But with our leaders having so much power and control and also being so corrupt, it's really hard to see, you know, the positive outcome from being a good person in general, you know, or trying to do the right things even. Of course, we make mistakes, but the goal is trying, you know, it's intent. No one's going to be perfect, 
but a lot of people don't even want to be good or a benefit to society. I know I didn't when I was in my teen years because I hated society. I thought it was horrible. It was crazy when you learn how corrupt the entire world is. So why would I care at all? You know, who gives a shit about being a good person when, you know, your leader, the president's not even a good person. The, you know, your teacher might not be a good person. The people at the local government level aren't good people. The people at your local business aren't good people. You know, when you start learning about these things, it breeds despair and mistrust. So then more people become mistrustful and they're out to get stuff for themselves instead of benefiting the overall society. So, you know, that's basically a topic I wanted to cover. Um, I did want to go over a little more about, you know, monetary solutions like what I was talking about to homelessness with the amounts of money. You know, a lot of people I don't think really understand these amounts of money and what we can do with them. And our government just blows them like crazy. I mean, they they just because they don't care. They're not trying to solve the problem. They're they're just trying to, you know, the problems benefit them. The more problems there are, the more power that the government can have, the more power that the corporations can have. If we were uh, you know, living in a better society where there was less problems, why would you want to give them power? You don't need a solution. You don't need them. Things are going great. They we only need them if things are going bad and you think that they can help you. So I don't believe the government can help us. I think we have to do this individually. And I believe that it's it really is shifting since we do have the internet and we have people, individuals, you know, outside of the mainstream media that can discuss these ideas. And if you think I'm wrong, you know, and my opinions are wrong, great. At least you can interact with me. I mean, can you interact with Rachel Maddow or Anderson Cooper? Can you interact with any of these people? You can't even tell who cares. They have millions and millions of people that would be coming at them. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. At least you could interact with me. You can interact with some of these people. You know, even whether or not you hate Andrew Tate or not or Joe Rogan, you know, or any pick any random, you know, independent source, Ben Shapiro, Jimmy Dore, um no matter what you you know, they might not hear your one opinion, but they hear people's opinions. Um, and it's not like Rachel Maddow wouldn't hear opinions, but she doesn't have to care. She's getting paid $5 million or more, you know, by MSNBC to do her show. So what does she care? You know, these other people who have smaller platforms or it's directly linked to them because it's their own individual show, they have to care about people's opinions to some extent because it's literally their show. If people don't watch it, then they're not going to, you know, make money. These other big media organizations, they have all the people behind them to promote and everything. So I do think that the tide's turning a lot. And that's one of the reasons that I started, you know, a podcast. I don't know if it'll, you know, get big or have any impact. Hopefully it'll have some positive impact. That's what, you know, my message is here still. I'm still here. I'm trying to come up with solutions to problems. You know, I'm not trying to just be on one side or the other and just bash people all the time and, you know, be dunking on people trying to win arguments. I don't care about that. That doesn't matter. I care about what the outcome is going to be. So that's really all the time I have for today. And if you agree with me, I hope that you can continue to, you know, use what I'm talking about where, 
you know, voting with dollars, voting with your vote, of course, in the polls, and then voting in your own life, making, you know, good decisions for you, or at least trying to. So I'll leave you with a message of unity, like always. If you are out there and you're having arguments or discussions, you know, especially political ones with family members, friends, and other people in your community, just try to be compassionate and have an understanding that most likely what they want is a better life for themselves, their family, their kids, their parents, the and the community um, as a whole as well. So, you know, if you can try to keep that in mind while you're having these discussions, I think we can get to a lot better solutions and understandings of each other. So, you know, that's my main goal here is to try to get people to come up with solutions. And hopefully part of that solution is, you know, voting for some third party candidates and sticking to your own moral values and not voting for someone that you don't actually believe in. So that's what I'll leave you with. Thanks for listening. And remember to always vote your conscience.